Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that doesn't suck. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Event Tech Podcast. That gentleman over there is the abstracted Will Curran of Endless Events. And that man over there is the sticky brand Kruger of Event Technology Consulting. You know, because it's just like, it's hard to like let you go. You know, you're just so Aww. sticky. Way to turn that around. I was, I was a little concerned where you were going to go with that. Well, the I adjective mean, you did generator shower taketh and... and the adjective uh, generator giveth away. <laughs> you did shower with Mountain Dew today, right? Or No, that's oh, the other yeah. That, that, that's Nick Borelli. Every day, every day, showering with the dew. Uh, um, how, to, how to segue that into our discussion for the day? It's, so I'm not even going to try. Um, so we're coming off, we're, so, so relatively uh, recently, we're coming off our recent interview uh, with the folks from Crowd, Crowd Health, CrowdPass, um, and CrowdSync. And it's got me thinking about um, kind of the future of attendee tracking and what we're capable of and what we're possible of. And, and, and another thing that's, that's got my mind racing on this is uh, one of our other uh, earlier guests, Amy Webb, from the episode of uh, How to Think Like a Futurist, um, uh, and someone who I greatly respect her take on keeping an eye on the signals and where all of this stuff can go, sent out a fairly pessimistic article about facial recognition uh, on her newsletter. And so I thought it was worth, you know, as we're talking about tracking people's health, you know, uh, tracking people's temperatures as they come in uh, to an event space, uh, literally tracking whether or not they've got vaccinations or not, and now facial recognition tracking. You know, one of the things uh, that she pointed out in her article is that, um, you know, something like 3% of the world's population is going through our uh, amusement parks, um, uh, you know, every uh, every year. So it's, it's an enormous amount of people and several amusement parks, including uh, Walt Disney World in Orlando, uh, Universal Studios in Beijing, uh, Abu Dhabi's Yas Island, are ha- were were or are uh, have been playing around with uh, facial recognition as far as a way of uh, contactless entry, um, which also harkens back to our episode on facial recognition at registration. Um, and I'm blanking on the dude's name. We were just talking about it in the pre-show. Zenus. Zenus. Thank you so much. Zenus ep- the Zenus episode. The Zenus episode. And. Um, and I, you know, as I remember on that one, I came in fairly bearish and I exited fairly bullish, or no, other way around, bullish, and then came <laughs> out very bearish. Uh, wait, which is the good and which is the bad? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm trying to keep track. I was like giggle it real quick. Okay, right. that's what now I remember. So I started. I started out being um, not. I was worried about how it was going to be implemented, and after our conversation with them, um, you know, being much more positive about it that they were doing it in a positive way. Um, likewise, I can see a lot of possible goodness coming out of. Kind contactless, like, hey, just walk up, take a picture of your face and walk in. Um, But it's worth talking about, I thought, uh, getting uh, some of the pros and cons of this type of technology kind of out on the table. Well, it's really going to be interesting, I think, too, moving forward out of 2021 and beyond uh, as we start to uh, figure out ways to track get the level of tracking that we got with virtual and digital events that, you know, now everyone's going to go back and be like, oh, well, now I got to throw like a humongous budget to do RFIDs, uh, beacon technology and things like that. And like, it's always so funny. I bet you it's either on this podcast or event icons. There's some point where we talked about it, about how like Disney just 
always continues to push the envelope in terms of what's possible in technology. I mean, they were the first to do the magic band where literally you walk up and tap and pay. And, you know, there's probably 90% of the events, more than that, probably 98% of the events don't even have some sort of tap to pay system or tracking system for their attendees. Um, but like now they're starting to push into facial, which is the next level then from there uh, as well. And I think the biggest thing that has to do with all this is that a desire now what's changed since uh, you know, since 2020 is the desire to have contact lists and no one wants to touch anything. People just want to, Hey, like, let me get done. And it's gotta be fast. And I don't want to be sitting here forever touching a bunch of stuff, um, along the way. Yeah. I mean, if, if I could go back in time and completely change the course, <laughs> I would love to be a Disney Imagineer because they're, they are masters of taking basically off the shelf technology and turning it into something amazing. And, and, and it just feels like several times a year, I'm like, oh wow, that's cool. Oh wow, that's cool. Oh, and, uh, you know, and you know, they were the first ones. I, I had them in my in my some of my uh, presentations years ago, talking about you know using drones as pixels and you know being able to do the stuff that we're seeing now with with light up drones doing you know full displays in the sky like fireworks and um, you know some of the stuff that we haven't seen yet are like marionettes but I like I, I digress because I mean just the stuff that you know now we're seeing you know real life lightsabers and like oh, yeah. dancing baby Groots and you know all this so kind of stuff that's it that's just blows your mind of how amazingly uh, ahead of the rest of the world some of those uh, folks seem to be but specifically when it comes to you know, even when when I you know piled, packed up the family uh, and, and took them to Disney World, you know we had the magic bands and so yeah, contactless payment. You know, I didn't I couldn't feel I didn't feel like I could leave the wallet at home, but I could definitely slim it down, and you know just make sure that I had an emergency backup, you know, credit card and stuff like that. But yeah, pretty much worked as as advertised. You know, just use the magic bands, and um, I didn't think at the time it was a little strange that they had us do thumbprints. At the uh, at the entrance, um, and ostensibly it had to do with you know having kids and making sure that nobody walks off the wrong kids and all that kind of stuff. But um, this facial recognition idea takes things really to the next level of that, yeah. that you know because we only did the thumbprint at the at the entrance and on the exit. Um, so it was a matter of uh, you know just twice. I don't even think we had to do it at the entrance, but or at the exit, but you know which I don't know. Anywho, um, the facial recognition opens up the possibilities of being able to track you all the way through the park everywhere you go because, you know, there's just there's cameras everywhere. And what um, uh, Amy Webb was saying in her article is that the technology really has advanced to the point where they can accurately identify you in facial recognition with barely, you know, a quarter of your face. In yeah, I was going to say, so it's like the, all these pictures yeah. show the mat, the, they say like, be wearing your mask during the face recognition. That blows my mind. Like, yeah. I can't even get my laptop to unlock with my, my face mask on. Yep, and and it's like it's not even like you know sixty five percent accurate. It's like a hundred percent accurate as far as being able to track people through spaces. Wow. Um, oh, okay, all right. It says hundred percent accuracy in tests with only three quarters or half of the subject's face visible. So that's that's wow. crazy accuracy, and um, and, you know, and that's she, in terms of accuracy, that's the accuracy of the identifying it's you, correct? Right. Not right, uh, right. what we'll probably talk about a little bit more deeper down the episode. 
Exactly. And so, you know, the way that they're, so the way that they're using it and implementing it is one is admission to the park, right? You know, so like you're you and okay, great. And you get to just walk in because it recognizes your face. But then what they're talking about doing is being able to track you through as you go through the park. And I remember, you know, when we went, there was a package where you would just, it was like auto magically get all of the photos, right? So as you go down this ride, you know, they take a photo and you go down that ride, you take a photo. And because no of the magic- no no contact. Right, because like, of the magic band technology wow. and all that kind of stuff, they knew where you were in the ride, and, you know, just based on how you got in and how you how you did it. And so it's already pretty cool. And then, it, you know, the wandering photographers, um, they would they would just tap you with the magic band and so that they would know that that was you. And then that would, you know, it all got sent back to a central website and you could download the photos later. And um, it, it worked really wow. cool. And so now imagine to not even have to tap anything. It's like it just knows that's you. And, yeah. you know, all of the photos from all of the rides and all of the random, you know, wandering street photographers all go back to you. But when where wow. where she starts to look at some of the pessimistic possibilities are when you start making judgments based on facial recognition, because some so, of the well, other. Go ahead. Well, I, I, before we get into that, because uh, I want to come back to that piece, because we're probably that's the rabbit hole. But I think just I want to be on the, I want to be on the positive. <laughs> There's a lot for of possible second, rabbit holes, because, yeah. Because I haven't been to Disneyland or World since they even got the Magic Bands too. So this is just like oh, so exciting for me because like I'm imagining um, this would be a really cool technology, like the face recognition the Magic Bands that like it knows where you are. I'm imagining like Disneyland and you show up and you say, oh hey, I have my ticket. And they say, hey, for three hundred bucks, anywhere you go, you'll get all the pictures. And by the way, I think one of the coolest things about this is well, you'll also get your candid pictures. So that's where the facial recognition might come in really cool too is that like there's a lot of times, you know, yeah, you're on the rides having the fun like that. But what, imagine if there's like a photographer who gets a picture of you like while you're like high-fiving one of your friends while you get off the ride or something like that. And that's such a cool picture. And oh, and then I have another idea. Disney, feel free to like send me royalties for this. Is that imagine like connecting your Apple account or your Google account to it and then automatically those pictures get imported to your Google Photos. Like I'm imagining this world like where like we can pay services to be capturing our moments around us and automatically importing it into our personal photo libraries so, and less of like, you know, right now, a lot of times what I do is I create a shared Google Photos album with all my friends and I say, hey, dump all your pictures in here and then I can import that into my my uh, my, my my library, but almost like curated moments of life being captured. Also. I want to note one thing, the the idea of like taking pictures of you or collecting the thumbprints, I'm just getting like massive Westworld vibes right now, you know, uh, throughout all this, which like if you haven't watched Westworld it's, and you're interested in this topic that we're talking about, you'll love that show. So go check that out if you get a chance. <laughs> Maybe not with the kids. Yeah. Not, oh, yeah, definitely. Not a kid's show. Yeah, that's not, that's a, not Dis a kid's show. You take the kids to Disneyland. Right. Watch Westworld with the wife. After they go to bed. <laughs> yeah. After the kids go to bed, they watch Westworld. Um uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, I, the, that's a great point about just candid. So you could have candid photographers roaming as well. And like you say, you know, just getting the, the nice shots. Somebody did, you know, in the similar vein, I'm trying to remember if they used an app or if it was a piece of hardware. I'm pretty sure it was Google related, that it was something that you could just sit at a party and you just leave it on. And it would like it would it oh, would yeah. AI would look for. Uh, Didn't the Google come out that camera? Yeah, it was that, like yeah, a the camera was constantly camera, recording. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was doing it automatically and like captured moments and things like that. Like, yeah, whatever happened? You know, I don't we know. Probably, we probably I probably mentioned talking about that in terms of like something exciting. We probably talked about it on a Google I/O uh, coverage at yeah. some point. And it, it you know I realized typical Google fashion. 
They shuttered yep. it and never talked about it ever again. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, every, every day they lose me just a little bit more because of that. It's, I was it's, say, you're, it's, already it's out, you're already on the other yeah. Apple ecosystem already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a whole, I mean, we still got the homes uh, around around the house, but now those are just randomly like, I'm sorry, I can't connect to the internet. It's like, okay, <laughs> uh, all right. There's completely randomly. You know, and it I'm doesn't sorry, matter. I don't have enough data sorry, on you I to help so. you. <laughs> right, yeah. I need... I haven't correctly mapped your face. <laughs> um, but anyway, back, back to the topic at hand. Um, so, so, so yeah, that, that opens up a lot of possibilities of the photo that you didn't know that you had, right? The photo, the, you know, the photo that nobody was taking, um, but the AI camera saw. Uh, which yeah. is weird and creepy, but also could be really cool because you know maybe you're you know you gave your kid a big hug after the ride because it was their first roller coaster ride or something like that, and it's like, hey, do you want this photo? Yeah, I want that photo. You know, so there's yeah, there's a lot of possibilities in there. Um, do, do we want to talk about the negative now? Are you ready to talk? About um, uh, let's see if there's anything else positive. I think we've talked a lot about general possibilities and positives. Yeah. Of there's some positive in what's coming and, up too, in general too. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I I do just want to give them like a lot of shots. I mean, like that fact that they can identify you with your face mask on. Yeah, blow my. But tell yeah. me the tell me the negative stuff. So like, where, where is this shoe? Well, and not so much negative, but just other things to consider. Is that first of all, it's not just facial recognition. And so one of the things that again she points out in this article is that you know a lot of the other research is being done with gait research. Uh, you know how you walk or, or voice prints, and so it could be oh. a mix of these things, right? So then it starts to actually get much more accurate because it's not just so it gets a quarter of your face and it's like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's Brant, and then it hears my voice and it's like, oh yeah, that's Brant, and then it sees me walk, and it's like, oh, that's definitely. Brand and he needs to he needs to lose about twenty. Do you walk pounds. a different a certain way, Brand. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so you know and so it's the combination of those things that then let you get around masks. Um, or if I shave my beard off while I'm there, you know, it's still going to recognize me because of the other factors, um, because it's still you know the top of my head is still the same. Um, and so, so that's one thing is that, that it's not just facial recognition. So you have to be careful about, oh, we got to ban facial recognition or something like that. Well, okay, there's like 98 other ways that they can track you um, <laughs> using a using AI. Well, they're going to make you all download an app on your phone to be as your ticket, and right. then boom, it's going to have GPS enabled. Yeah. It's the same and, exact and, thing. And just a reminder, when people get freaked out about tracking you know we have the world's greatest tracker in our pocket right now 24 <laughs> you know basically every waking hour of every waking minute we've got the greatest tracker ever created um, and we're letting people track us all the time using it um, so a couple other things to point out is that so so one it's not just facial recognition it's a lot of different biometric data that can be brought together but two the other part of this research and in that um, in that Zenus episode um, he mentioned this is that they're starting to do experimentation with recognizing emotion so not just who you are but how you feel and that is a is a creepy but also very cool you know road to go down so you can imagine you know the context that it came up in the previous episode was that you can not only see that someone stopped and looked at your trade show display um, but that they were kind of scowling as they looked at it. And so clearly they didn't like what they saw um, or they were delighted by what they saw, you know, because you've got, you know, the great Scottish dancers, uh, you know, dancing in your booth and you're they're they happy handed, and delighted. They handed Brant and it's amazing. a Guinness and some uh, Right, Scotch yeah, Brant's very happy because he's got his Guinness and, uh, and a little <laughs> snifter of scotch. Um, so he's very happy. Uh, so, you know, you can start to then make ROI judgment based on that, uh, 
you know, is that that not only did we get X number of people through our booth, but the overall emotional reaction was 86% positive, you know, something along those lines that you're really starting to be able to use these tools to detect um, emotional state um, and where that starts to be a possibility if you think about either an event organizer or a place like Disney is you know you can then react to that state so if you know if you know if a bunch of your audience is clearly falling asleep uh, you know during presenter x you know presenter x might not be invited back next time um, <laughs> or you can cut them a little short or you can you know there's you know you know that you're going to need to have a a, a wake up break uh, in between or something along that you start to react to things mm -hmm. in real time and we've talked about that in the context of physical tracking in the past yeah, on this like the show being as well. really popular and right things like you know that. Yeah, you, you can start to tell not you know not subjectively because you stuck your head in the door and you know the vodka luge in the corner looked really busy um you know you're able to say you know again 3700 people stopped by that vodka luge and nobody stopped by the golf simulator so you can start to make those types of judgments and so in the context of a disney world Imagine, you know, you've got the crying kid because, you know, the ice cream fell on the ground and, you know, you can almost imagine like security, security, we need, we need a goofy to sector 13 stat, you know, and you send a character over to try and, you know, to try and help that. I mean, that can really save a vacation, um, you know, in, in a lot of instances where you prevent the meltdown before it happens by, by intercepting, um, uh, you know, using that, you know, that's, it's creepy, but cool. Like it's, it's a really yeah. interesting idea that you could start to react in real time based on emotional feedback. Mm, I like this a lot. Uh, there, I'm also going to uh, mention another uh, episode of our one of our other podcasts, Event Brew, to check out. We did an episode uh, back to the Westworld thing. I'm just getting so many Westworld vibes and just parallels <laughs> between this. But we did an episode where we talked a little bit about um, the idea of knowing so much about your attendees before they arrive and giving them a personalized experience. And, like, does that, so, you know, that the no choice and kind of the decision being customized to you – is that something that you ultimately want? Do you want someone just to kind of take it through? And I'm almost imagining this too, that like, you know, let's say for example, they're tracking you and they know you're generally unhappy. They're gonna keep throwing stuff at you to try to make you happy. And let's say something starts like spark and they're like, oh yeah, Goofy, and he's your favorite, right? Now imagine like all of a sudden Goofy stuff is starting to pop all around and these Goofy experiences start, it's kind of like almost like the event is designing itself around you. Like it, it raises, I think a lot of like questions around design and probably morals around choice but um that episode we kind of explore that a little bit but i i think that could be a potential really really interesting thing and i i love this I, i've always just been fascinated about real-time data and like our ability to plan around this and you know i really do think that having like an analyst a data analyst on your team um, almost here like calling the shots would be so helpful again back to the Westworld idea this is so easy because we're talking about parks too is that like they they have like you know they're like oh they're reacting to all these things happening oh yeah send this person over here okay this is happening over here this area is really busy we'll send here and I, I think that's almost like the kind of the future um, producer coming along that like they're able to like uh, um, like change the event as it's happening whereas like right now what we do is we sit here and the producers you know backstage and they go oh my god look everyone's kind of falling asleep okay hey audio guy Instead of doing the soft jazz, we're gonna do hard rock. Uh, play, you know, uh, you know, some Foo Fighters when everyone uh, after this talk. We'll like kind of jolt them up, and and I've seen that so many parallels between that, and I think you're so so right on board with that one, Brent. For sure. So, 
So one of the things that, that Amy Webb teaches us, if you go back to that episode that we had with her, as how to think like a, a futurist, is, is you, you try and step through all of the possible outcomes. And, um, you know, that, that it's not that any one thing is going to happen in the future. It's more that, you know, this could happen or this could happen. And so you try and be prepared for as many of those outcomes as possible. So a lot of times she and her organization will write like an optimistic possibility of this technology, a kind of neutral uh, possibility of this, and then like a pessimistic version of it. So what's interesting is in, in this particular newsletter, she only wrote the pessimistic one. Um, and it doesn't have much to do with events or um, uh, or theme parks anymore. It's more about this type of AI recognition of of um, uh, emotion and things like that. And so she kind of envisioned a world where, you know, a job interview might get cut short because the recognition algorithm started to pick up signs of, you know, lack of initiative or maybe a fragile psyche or uh, something along those lines. Or, or that, or, or she wrote like maybe a first date turns into a second date because the algorithm sensed indicators of loyalty and honesty. Where do I get but, those glasses? <laughs> yeah, but the problem is that anytime that you can train a machine to start to recognize this stuff, we as humans can train ourselves to get around it. I mean, there's already mm. examples oh. of people who can get around um, lie detector tests, right? They're able to control their bodily functions to a point where they can actually deceive a lie detector test. And so as these algorithms are just being trained to pick up on facial tics and, you know, those types of things, um, you know, it's harder to like regulate body temperature and things like that. But, you know, she envisions a world where people can then train themselves to get around facial recognition algorithms and be like, I can make myself seem more honest and loyal and trustworthy mm. using facial emotions and fool. Um, and so if you're going th down the road of, uh, Westworld and things like that, you have to then include one of the greatest uh, sci-fi thrillers of all time, Blade Runner, in which mm -hmm. case we're exactly talking about robots trying to fool machines uh, into believing, you know, these these tests into making it seem like they're human. Um, spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> well, that's like, it's in like the first scene. Is that yeah, I was going to say, so it's, 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 not, much, was saying, it's also this movie's, this movie's been out for a long period yeah. of time. And I yeah, assume if you, you haven't seen Blade Ventec Runner, I don't think <laughs> you're you can call spoiler alert on that. And yeah, you're li a listener of the Ventec podcast, you haven't seen right. Blade Runner. I mean, like, we might need right. to make like a, like a, hey, here's prerequisites for listening to this podcast. Here's movies that we're going to spoil for you. <laughs> right. So I think, I think the lesson to be learned there that we can extrapolate out to events is that if you're going to use these things, it's just a signal, right? It's just a signal that you can react to. It's not the gospel truth, and it's not, um, uh, it's, it, you know, when you start making judgments based on these things is where it starts to get dangerous. You know, all it is is a tool. It's a tool to help, you know, help you make decisions like, um, you know, should we open up a second bar, you know, or are there too many people in this area? Let's open it up. Or, you know, are there too many sad people in this area? We need to send something happy. Are there are too many people. You know, so th those types of reactions, I think, can be uh, effectively, you know, using these tools, you can you can come up with those types of reactions. It's when you start making judgments about people that it starts to go down a very dangerous road, as it always does when you're making judgments about people. Definitely, definitely. I think one interesting thing too, when it comes to this, um, is 
we've we've talked about like for facial recognition for events and i think one of the things that starts to pop up too is people's concern about cost like you have to put cameras everywhere and computers and like all the stuff that basically like a company like xenus would do for you um but one thing i've kind of realized in and, and this is just an example of how brant and i maybe brant's heard of this and i haven't but um why hasn't anyone implemented this on virtual events, right? Like we have this technology. We all have a camera in front of us when we're attending a virtual event. We like, you know, we always complain about like, Hey, can you, during the zoom, can you put your camera on so I can like, you know, I whenever I speak, I'm like, please put your cameras on so I can like see your reactions and see if my jokes are landing, you know, but I'm imagining too, like, why hasn't anyone done this where it's like, Hey, it's an opt-in thing as an attendee, I can put my camera on to recognize the data and push that data back to speakers and back to the platform. I mean, has any, have you seen anyone do that quite yet? Close. It was a Zoom feature. Oh, really? Yeah. So no Zoom. Way. So Zoom had a feature, end of 2019, probably into early 20, and where it would notify the host if you clicked away to a different tab or were in a different. Oh window. well, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But I was so, thinking so, more so enabling yeah, the camera. Yeah, it's not yeah, not yeah. pure facial recognition, but it's you know it's the it's the kernel of that. And people revolted against that. Like nobody. So as soon as we all got you know sent sent to a pandemic lockdown, that was the first thing they disabled, um, <laughs> and removed it. It's not even you can't even enable it as a feature. It's 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 removed at this point because people were so up in arms with this idea that people could know that you weren't paying attention to, to their, to their <laughs> zoom meeting. Um, which I, I get, I get, and that's why we're having these conversations, right? You know, we're having these conversations about the, um, about the possibilities. And, you know, if you just charge forward without really thinking it through, that's when we, that's when we have issues. <laughs> and I'm trying to read through, I just Googled, you know, zoom and facial recognition to see if anyone had been doing this. It looks like zoom was kind of like, testing some ideas around this in terms of like facial recognition stuff but i'm sure it's like it's coming soon but i mean like again like I, i'm all a fan that if people want to share the data they can share the data so like if you make it opt-in i think where it's crappy is like i'm just imagining the camera turning on and no one has a choice but i i think attendees would actually be like hey if you gave really simple instructions or how you could potentially share this information and made it you know opt in not opt out um, I think people would be really, really interested in doing it because like, I'm imagining I'm an attendee and like, yeah, if I'm not enjoying a speaker and I click away or yeah, I'm not looking at you or I'm sad or whatever it is. Like I want to share that data back to the speaker. I don't necessarily want to put my camera on, but that might also, um, in turn also solve some engagement issues. We talked about engagement issues and technology. So here's a technology that might end up solving audience engagement, but imagine if like, uh, as in a speaker, you know, um, one of our big issues is that we are speaking to no one, so we have, have no idea how to react. But, like, what if audience engagement could be enhanced from a content perspective by getting that data back to you to say, like, yeah, most of your attendees right now, they're yawning. Or, like, 50% of people yawned. Or, let's be honest, like, 50% of the people aren't even at their laptop right now. Like, you know, like, if I would, as a speaker, I'd love to have that data. And I'd be like, okay, let me just, like, totally change how I'm going to, to engage then at that point. I'm sorry. What I, I wasn't paying attention to what you. My brain walked away for half. It opens up a whole new world, and I think anytime we're discussing these types of data, you know, the thing that I like to try and remember is um, the fastest way to try and get over the creepy factor. At, well, one is just you know be a good steward of the data, which we've talked about before. That you know d don't be a jerk when it comes to data. You know, don't use it inappropriately. Don't take it if you don't need it and get rid of it when you're done with it. Um, but beyond that, you know, when you're starting to talk about these types of things, you have to try and um, 
the easiest way to kind of get around the creepy factor is to make it useful to the attendee. I mean, we give our data mm -hmm. out all the time to Facebook and Google and Apple and, you know, all of these big companies, um, you know, which we can talk more about later, <laughs> you know, as far as, you know, that's a whole nother ball of wax with Apple's new privacy rules and uh, things like that <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. down the pipe. But I always find if you're making it useful for the attendee, that that gets that makes it go a long way. You know, when it's just Big Brother watching you and making decisions and all that kind of stuff, that's when it's creepy. But when it's useful to you as the attendee, that's a different factor. And so, you know, one of the things that I love that came out of uh, online events in this last year is the idea of a of a post event follow up report for your attendee that says, "Hey, here's the sessions that you attended. Here's the people that you connected with." Here's their contact information, so you've got it handy. Here's the exhibitors that you stopped by, and here's their contact information, so you've got it handy. Here's the PDFs that came along with it, so those are bundled at the bottom of the email. And based on the sessions that you went to, here are the five exhibitors that you didn't stop by that may be interesting to you. So there's like win, 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 win oh. on all of those. So that's interesting to me as an attendee of like, oh, I didn't see those guys. You know, because a lot of what we talk about in online exhibits that's missing is serendipity. You know, we, you know, just that, that chance walking by and, oh, that looks interesting. So, you know, by providing like that level of a report would be incredibly valuable. What was that guy that I connected? It's like all in one email. So what was that guy that I connected with at that event? Oh yeah, I could just search for the event in my email and there it is. Or what was that exhibitor again? Oh, I lost that email. What was his name again? That kind of thing. Oh, so, so when funny. you make it useful, to the attendee, and that's where my head goes down again to the the, the photographers at Disney. The the we need a you know we need a Minnie Mouse stat in Sector Twelve. You know those kinds of things where it's going to improve the audience experience. Yeah. Nice. that's going to help smooth over those privacies. It doesn't make them go away. So you still need to be good stewards of, of data and not don't be jerks and, and Big Brother-esque. Um, but uh, if, you, if you intend to use them for good purposes, that will help smooth it out. That's such a good point. Like, yeah, I, I think that's such a good like a lesson, I think, is that, yeah, like data is okay to collect as long as you're adding value back. That's why, you know, for example, um, we complain about Facebook all the time because we give it so much data. But really, what do we get in return? Most of the stuff is, is the value we get from other people doing it. Facebook doesn't actually give us back value. Uh, but, for example, um, if we told you, hey, we tracked everything you watch in terms of TV shows and movie shows, and we're going to give you perfect recommendations based on what that is, you're going to be like, oh, that, that, that sounds great. Well, that's Netflix. But if I told you I just track everything that you watch and I didn't tell you back what it was, you'd be like, oh, how dare you steal my, my data? You know, like I, I think it has to go with that. You have to end up delivering value back. And, and that might be the hard part for event professionals in the beginning because um, in the beginning, everyone's just like, we need this data because we have to make our events better. And the, the stuff like, for example, that report might not exist then at that technological standpoint. But one thing that might also be helpful, and I'm starting to think about this a little bit more in terms of data in the events industry, is like, you know, we almost have to have a little bit of an early adopter syndrome, uh, like portion of things. Like, you know, I think that I'm wondering if there's a way that we can communicate to be like, look, I don't have the money to get to be a personalized report that's going to tell you, but we eventually want to get there. But for us to do that, we need to start tracking data and figuring out how it works as an organization right away. Um, are you willing to be a part of that experiment with us and, you know, seeing this future that we can go to? I wonder if, like, attendees would be able to understand that um, sort of early adopter-esque uh, opt-in. You know what I mean? And you got to give them a reason to. 
you know, so, so, so anytime, you know, that's this, this goes back to things that we were saying about event apps, uh, and, and any kind of tracking, you know, in uh, tracking badges and things like that is that I, 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 as an attendee, I know why you want that information, but you need to tell me why I want to give you that information. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. the same kind of thing. So yeah, having those experiments, having those opt-ins, um, there needs to be a benefit to that either, either, even if it's, even if it's, Hey, everybody that uses the new, like click contact badge thing, yeah. um, gets, it gets put in a red, a, a raffle for a free registration for next year. You know, you know, point. it doesn't take much benefit to encourage people to opt into things like this. Well, you bring up like the click, I think is such a great, I was bringing up the same exact example um, as well as that like in, with click, like, you know, if you talked about like, hey, we're gonna track you with RFIDs and where you're gonna go in every room that you go in, like most RFIDs do that. But where I think click is an easy sell for so many people is that if, for planners, we say, oh, and by the way, it's also gonna like generate that, like ev- you get a report at the end that has all everyone you've connected with, every booth that you attended. And it's, you know, gonna tell you, yeah, like a lot more data that's, co- that's coming as an attendee um, and I think that's why it's an easy sell is because it's that full package versus like, you know, some of these more RFID related uh, companies and the solutions are just like, yeah, we'll tell you everything about your attendees, where they've been and what rooms are in and things like that. Um, and by the way, your attendee just never has to touch anything. Like, what's the benefit? You know, like, where, where does that come in? And um, I think it's a super smart, like, uh, you know, a, a beyond 2021 way to think about events. So I love that uh, mentality, the value, the value proposition of the data collection. So, um, yeah, uh, Brant, is there a- anything else in the that report in terms of facial recognition, anything that we should cover? I mean, they're always good about having links of, you know, I mean, so she didn't just, uh, you know, to say it's about Disney. I mean, so there's links about talking about some of the, the issues surrounding law enforcement using facial recognition, mm-hmm. uh, the use of facial recognition on protests and things like that. So to be clear, um, you know, we just wanted to try and can- handle the, 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 the more event focused side. There's lots of other angles to these <laughs> to these issues, um, as there is with any technology. Right. So, you know, technology is not usually uh, just exclusive to any one sector. Um, uh, or industry. And so, um, yeah, there's plenty more uh, to the discussion of, of facial recognition and emotion recognition um, than, uh, than just what we're talking about here. So I encourage you to, you know, if it's something that you're interested in uh, out there in Radioland, uh, to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to check it out and, and, uh, and subscribe to the, the Amy Webb. It's the Future Today Institute. Yep, Future Today Institute. Um, and she always does a big um, South by Southwest presentation presentation as well. There's another event angle to it um, that uh, they do a 20, a, you know, a yearly, an annual trends report, like a tech trends report mm. um, that gets released every year out of South by Southwest. So if you're a technology buff like Will and I uh, mm. are, um, you know, it's a great, uh, it's a great newsletter and it's a great resource every year that's just overload you with all the amazing things that are possible uh, and, and trending in tech. Absolutely. And and we'd love to hear from you, too. If, uh, you know, something of, we said that we didn't talk about that's kind of sparked your interest or had a question, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email, eventtechpodcast at helloendless.com. Um, we love getting your emails and hearing from you, so don't hesitate to reach out. Or, you know, tag us on social media as well. If, you know, you see this po- you see this, ar- this uh, <laughs> article, this is a podcast, and you liked it a lot, feel free to share on social media and tag us. And uh, happy to start a conversation on social media. We love engaging with our fans as well. But shall we uh, take her on home, Brant? Mosey on little doggies. 
mosey on little dog. I don't know what that means, but thank you all for watching, <laughs> for watching, listening to the event tech podcast. I'm Will. He's Brant. We're happy to have you here and we can't wait to see you next time on the event tech podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love li- license free music. <laughs> event tech out. Ventech out. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.